everyone to the Rest Podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. I am your host, Natalie Williams, and I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and Rest, Virginia Dixon. Hi, Virginia. Hi, good morning, Natalie. Good morning. It's good to see you. Good to see you, too. So today, we welcome back Catherine Dang, the founder of the Philomath Foundation, to discuss womanhood, motherhood, and the lack of appreciation we see for both men and women today. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Natalie. Good to see you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Of course. Well, Virginia, I know that we have so much to talk about today, especially with Mothers in May series. And I'm thankful to have Catherine here because I think she opened my eyes, expanded my prism, helped me clear a lot of the fog around the topics of womanhood, femininity, motherhood. And I'm looking forward to discussing those three themes with you because I think there's so much confusion, chaos, and dis-ease around those three words. Certainly. And as an educator, I'm always seeking to teach what's true and what's practical and useful and wise. There's so much unhappiness and discontent and confusion, as you say, about everything in life. But in particular, our own beings as women or men. And so we need to have a foundation that is strong and confident in what our purpose is as a human being, but also as men and women, and our relationship, proper relationship with each other. And we can enjoy each other as men and women, but then motherhood is a added bonus to our gender, to our being as women. You talked about human beings, and while you were speaking, I felt compelled to reiterate something we mentioned several podcasts back, and I'm not going to get into the whole discourse again, but the whole concept of Roe versus Wade was the first time in recorded history mm-hmm. that we divided the human being from the person, Yes, and that's where the divide began to happen. And it's left us in a place of great confusion, chaos, and dis-ease because there's just a huge disconnect. So I was wondering if you could talk to us about the personhood, being a human being and the person Mm -hmm. of a woman. Well, we have been dehumanized. That's right. And made as a simply object, if you will, without any life in it, mm. and we we actually call ourselves survivalists. We are individual, purposeful beings, and when we find our purpose, that's where our contentment comes from. And the frustration is, why am I here? What am I for? And do I have any value in myself? And then we get very discontented because we don't have answers. But principles teach us that everything has a design. There's a purpose for our being. We're not random acts of nature. We hold to a creator who is intelligent, and we reflect his intelligence. Mm -hmm. And there's a wisdom in every one of us because we are singularly individuals first before we are a couple or we are a participant in a group. And so we need to learn 
who and what we are in truth. What is a woman? A woman is a revelation, an aspect of who God is by nature, because he designed us to reveal himself. Everything material is to speak of something of God's wisdom, God's goodness, God's perfection. And by observation, I believe that womanhood reflects God's tender heart, God's beauty, God's joy, God's flexibility. You know, when you think of boys and men, there is a rigidity, not just physically, but in their mentality, and that's a good thing. But we're here to be the biblical balance to each other and friendship with each other. Yeah. And appreciation, as you mentioned, for each other and respect between each other and natural affection for each other. And it's become combative. Yeah. It's become warfare and competition. Mm-hmm. We were not made for that a competition, but friendship, I believe. Yeah. To be partners. Mm-hmm. Completeness, wholeness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And appreciation. But we're confused as to which is which. So a woman, just her anatomy Absolutely. speaks to that the gentleness tenderness, of God, the gentleness, the warmth of God. of God, the welcome of God, the embracing of God, the nourishment of our emotions. Mm. Women are strong emotionally when I we're loud but that doesn't mean we're not strong yeah we scream but that doesn't mean that we are frail and my working with families and boys and girls young men and women mothers will tell you your boys are most fragile emotionally and that's to I think balance their physical power and to mitigate the brutality that comes with physical power. But women who are perhaps physically more fragile and weaker physically are very strong and powerful emotionally because they will be dealing with motherhood. And by the way, there are some exceptions to this in a sense, but we don't make rules out of exceptions. So by and large, the anatomy of a man is different than that of a woman. It is different, but when you think of fatherhood and even in the idea of a protector, a man who can lift, who can move things, and can we have machines that women can use, but, but in the home, let's put it this way, the strongest physically generally is the male. And who can, you know, lift a, your son on his shoulders like a father can, right? Yeah. And he, who's taller, by and large, and you sit high. Mm-hmm. That's the image children have. I only had one man in my childhood, and that's my father. Manhood is displayed by the father and the husband. So you look up to him, he's the tallest in the house, okay? Mm -hmm. So your image of manhood comes from your father. Your image of womanhood comes from your mother. And if there is confusion and warfare, that sets the stage for perhaps miseducation. And the next generation. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And sometimes the confusion comes in the form of roles that are taking and, and roles that aren't understood. And sometimes I think the confusion comes with absence yes. of one or another. And we certainly have to, unprecedented distractions to bring a lot of confusion mm-hmm. in both areas, right? 
But, you know, if you stay in the naturalness of your being, you can project the right idea and not become bitter, not become frustrated, and be content with or without your compliment. And that, I just want to speak with sensitivity to this subject, because, Catherine, you know my whole story. Yes. And when we immigrated to America shortly after, my mom left us. Mm -hmm. It was too much for her. And I was raised by a man. I didn't have a mother. I had a mother, of course. I didn't have a mom. But during those formative years, it was very confusing. But my father raised me to be strong, to be independent, to be educated, and all that. And in spite of that, you've seen my life from the inside out and how I've lived but the femininity. But you know what? You didn't break. Mm-mm. Right. And when I think about the boys and the men that I'm in company with, men are, can break and never rebound like a woman can. A woman has to take care of babies, and you have to be flexible. You have to be able not to sleep. You have to be able to adjust diets and watch carefully You're so intimately connected with your children from conception. You have an advantage over the male in that regard. Well, the point is that I think in today's day and age, and it began many years ago, and that's why I started talking about my situation a little bit, because it's not uncommon, the sensitivity of what it is to be a woman and the Mm -hmm. feminine aspects, although I was raised by a man were woven deeply into my DNA and overriding and beyond the points and the issues of attachment. There are things that are very innate. And in that innateness, believe and trust that in your very anatomy is that hunger and that desire for tenderness. There is that design for tenderness, for sensitivities, for things. Sometimes they need to be cultivated. Yes, absolutely. I agree with you. I think your father allowed that somehow in you. That was something there in you, too, that was flexible to, shall we say, deal with not having a mother. If you deny the natural or you reject it, and sometimes we're taught to deny it and almost resent it, then you are in a place of really self-destruction. Exactly. And that's what I wanted to get to, because for me, it's in feathering the nest and created these experiences of rest where people don't want to leave. But for another woman, it's cooking. For another, it's arranging amazing family vacations. For another, it's having this amazing gift of hospitality. But there's still that, that sense of tenderness, right? Teachers. Women are natural teachers. Yeah. And that can be expressed in that way. They teach Many babies points. how to walk. They teach babies how to do everything from feeding themselves, dressing themselves, washing themselves. You're natural teachers. Those are essentials. Even how to communicate. Actually, how to speak, mm-hmm. right, and how to have manners, Yeah. how to eat, how to chew, mm-hmm. how to brush your teeth. All of that is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I mean, they couldn't live without all of those basics of taking care of self mm-hmm. and being independent. Womanhood, and these. this is what it is to be a woman, and expressions of femininity come mm-hmm. in many shapes and forms. Well, I guess that's what I was trying to get at. Right. Femininity is strength with meekness. I love that. Strength with meekness. How to use your power. Because, you know, I tell parents and families 
that, you know, a man can build a house, he can buy a big house, but a woman makes that house a home. Yeah. The warm place, the soft place, the comfortable place, the beautiful place. The safe place. The place you want to go to Yeah, when you are away. Mm-hmm. You can't wait. It's the hospitality she's speaking of. It's the nursing home. Yeah. Your mothers are nurses. They're mm-hmm. doctors. You cry mommy when you get hurt. Okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and naturally. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because there's something innate in femininity that is strong, not weak. And able. Womanhood, femininity, meekness, not weakness. It's no. strength under control. Meekness is strength under control. And, and I think it is the most beautiful gift, innate, natural gift that we women have. The capacity to be strong, mm-hmm. powerful, and sensitive at the same time. And that's why I wanted to have this discussion well, about this theme, because there's a lot of confusion around all those words and yeah. those concepts about what it is to be a woman. Well, it's an aspect, again, of the divine, because he said, follow me, I am meek and lowly. But mm-hmm. he was supreme. And the, the woman has the power on earth. Not just the power of life, but she has the power of consent. Yeah. And that's why we have to reflect what do we and who do we consent to. Mm-hmm. I remember the story of Mary, and the phrase that kept coming through my mind when I read about Mary is she pondered these things in her heart. She's a thinking, observant individual. She introspectively deals with problems first and she didn't understand some things but she pondered them kept them in her heart until resolution could come Mm -hmm. it is just the nature of that rather than running around screaming with the hair on fire (laughs) (laughs) yeah very true meek lowly supreme we have seen that played out in Amazing leaders in time and historic. Oh, yeah. And we see that played out. Interestingly enough, there's, again, a lot of confusion on what it is to be strong. The man has a function. He builds a home Mm -hmm. and the woman fills it Mm -hmm. intuitively. And I think, again, I want to reemphasize because we talk about this all the time. It's congruent with laws of nature, things Mm -hmm. that are self-evident and speak to our natural affections. And I see this behind closed doors in counseling all the time. Yeah. She's the heart mm-hmm. of the home. Yeah. And I would think she's the heart of the nation when you think about it, that because the home is the foundation of all our nations. And he, he as the head, needs the heart. Yeah. And it's such a wonderful love story when you think about it, because I see that when she says yes to a man, it's because I put my life, my well-being into your hands. Yeah, But when he chooses a woman for himself, he says, I want to give you my heart. Yeah, And that means that it's a fragile mm-hmm. part of him that yeah. he trusts with her. Because if it's broken, he's gone. Yeah. He's absolutely gone. Mm-hmm. And I've, I mean, I've seen that played out in my own life, just in the men that I know. And All of this makes me think of what we've talked about a lot with rest, where there's two things. Women have power. Men have authority, right? Women are emotional. Mm -hmm. Men are sensitive. Mm -hmm. And 
kind of bringing it into something that's happening currently. We see it playing out right now in the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard situation, right? That's going on in the court system and what they're going through. And you see a man that has been absolutely broken and she used her power. She was not meek. She used her power. And we hear a lot about how men are the head, but women are the neck that turns the head, right? Well, she used her power and she turned that head way too far that we are now seeing that neck break. Mm -hmm. That's what happens when women overstep that power, when they try to take control. And we see it a lot. We talked about how a home without lawful authority. And it's the meekness and weakness thing. I think there's so much confusion between those two words. Absolutely. That I think that's what derails so many families. We don't understand power and authority and we don't understand Meekness has nothing to do with weakness. Absolutely. It's strength. It is. It is strength. A thousand percent. It's power restrained. Mm-hmm. You could kill, but you hold back. Right. And some women talk to men as if they were women, and you mm. can't do that. No. Well, your husbands happen- are not your girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. And that's happening a lot. And you know what's interesting? That when you, people get behind closed doors, they long for one thing. Men just want respect Mm -hmm. from women, Mm -hmm. and women desperately want love from men. And both sabotage those very things. Yeah. When they're driven by their impulses of their flesh, they completely sabotage those things. When the transaction happens, when we help them identify, wait a minute, you want your soul, your mind, your heart, your will, your conscience, and the highest sensitivity of your spirit to run your life, not the reactivities of your flesh. When they begin to understand that, they can harness mm-hmm. some of this chaos and begin to self-govern yeah. and then turn things well, around, then right? Mm-hmm. Then we're combative and mm. we withhold the thing the other person needs the most. We're combative when... That is out of place. When that's out of place, we become combative. And the first person who does that, I I think, is the woman gets out of place. Yeah. And then he's gone. Mm -hmm. He's gone. He disappears. Yeah, when you see that, not and it doesn't even have to be physical. It can be a a, like an emotional or mental disassociation. It's a communication. But the women. This happens with women and that gets a little bit bent out of shape because there's so much confusion about mm-hmm. roles. There's so much confusion about womanhood and femininity. Yeah. Yes. That's why the women become derailed and they don't understand no. the power they have. Yeah. So yeah. one of the purposes why I wanted to have this discussion, I wanted to invite you on, is to say, women, you shape the character and conscience of the next generation by mere virtue of design yeah. and your anatomy speaks for itself believe it and leverage yes. that we also set the standard of manhood talk about that we for a minute we yeah the, i want to hear that we set the standard our womanhood sets the standard of manhood and if we are mannish then the manhood disappears right but if we're women whole and thin ourselves, content and understanding our, you know, I, like, I say to some, stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. Don't go over his lane, but stay within your lane. And you know, he will come alongside. Yeah. We were made to be side by side, not face to face. When I speak to women and mothers who are having difficulties, I say this business of meekness, mm-hmm. you know, not fighting, not arguing, that pondering, you know, in your heart, 
it seems as if that if we get in our right posture and examine examine the yeah, conflicts within ourselves say are in our womanhood the man will rise to the occasion as far as his, and you don't have to force him, I mean, nag him there, I don't know what they do, criticize him, but if you get your womanhood in order, if I can say it that way, get right with yourself, mm-hmm. Rest. then he will become himself, his true self. He steps into his purpose. That's right. I have a silly example of that. We were talking about it this morning. But been married almost 40 years. That's right. That's and Ray, a beautiful example. Right? Yeah. Yes. And Ray would get up and go play racquetball every morning around 5.30, 6 in the morning. And he's not a morning person. <laughs> but he'd call me in the middle of the day sometimes, and that's not like him either, and say, honey, whatever you do, don't ever let me stop, because this is a lifeline for me, right? Yeah. This is a way for him to decompress and whatnot. And 10, 15, no. 20 years, 25 years into it, life gets really chaotic, crazy things happen, and he started kind of losing his rhythm. And I noticed that I couldn't leave the bedroom immaculate, because I'm an early riser Mm -hmm. by nature, right? But I couldn't leave the bed made, everything put away, and pristine, right, in the mornings. And it started annoying me 25 years into this. Wait a minute. (laughs) You're not getting up anymore. The bed's not getting made. And I had to go about my day and, you know, kids, rides, sports, work, the whole thing, right? And it's a little crazy. So I was silently getting annoyed until about literally like seven years ago. I thought, why am I annoyed by him? What's stopping me from making my side of the bed? And then I had all these great excuses, right? I didn't want to wake him up, all this <laughs> yeah. other stuff. And then I thought, no, he's not, he doesn't even want to get up. So I thought that's an excuse. Make your side of the bed mm-hmm. and let him do what he needs to do. And you'd be happy mm-hmm. you made your side of the bed. And I did. And it was beautiful. And I was shocked. I came home that evening from a long day of counseling And I walked upstairs, and of course all the kids are gone now, it's just me and him, but I walked upstairs and the bed was beautifully made. The pillows, the hundred pillows on the bed and everything, everything was like (laughs) beautiful, pristine, and I couldn't believe it. And I literally heard God say, if you deal with you, I'll take care of him. Yeah. And he's made to so much protect and govern and, and please you. And his desire and so much intuitively and naturally, right? Yeah. That you have this much power in the relationship. It was amazing. And for some reason, something just clicked. And it was an end of a real, it was just the end of a season. Yeah. That lasted 35, it lasted many years. That's a long time to be frustrated. It was a long time, frustrated, (laughs) yeah. No, it lasted about 10 years because he wasn't getting up. Yeah. Yeah, like really did. But it's what Catherine is saying. If we have the courage to step into what it is to be meek and to self-govern, and we talk, mm-hmm. rest is all about that individual yeah. self-government, bringing yourself into alignment with mm-hmm. this divine life-giving source that is God, bringing those things into alignment. It's amazing. You can begin to interact with your husband and with your children and with everything with so much more compassion and less judgment. There's great beauty in God's creation. Mm-hmm. And all of it womanhood is god's creation yeah we have to cultivate and feed it and enjoy it and so the others could enjoy it it gives and life the, we're that life-giving yeah, source it's a right? life-giving source you bring color into their worlds 
someone told me men are black and white television women are color tv yes <laughs> i like that i've heard as well men are waffles and women are spaghetti well you know what it is is you want that firm resolve and it's not rigidity just decision yeah it's firmness we need both in decision making rigidity and flexibility otherwise it's going to be a very hard world yeah I want to speak to the women that are listening to us for a moment that are saying, well, you don't know my husband. So I do want to interject the thought that the erosion has been gradual yeah, since obviously the beginning of time, but yes. certainly in our lifetime mm-hmm. since the 60s. Rebellion. 70s, yeah. We've talked about this before, and especially talking about language and how we corrected, you know, how meekness is not weakness. That word submission it's not a negative connotation. It's not a negative word. It literally means under one mission. So women are, we have to be focused on bringing ourselves into alignment so that then we can be aligned under the man who's then under God. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that is a home with lawful authority right there. And the man's heart is tender. Yeah. It's more tender than hers. Women are it tough. Yes. And as she comes under him, with the intention of being under one mission after she reconciles the conflicts within herself. Yes. His desire mm-hmm. is really to, to love her, to love her and protect her and yeah. cherish her and cherish and yeah. honor. Mm-hmm. But there's been so much confusion that you say, my husband, I've done all those things. Well, my husband doesn't respond. Remember, she was vulnerable. That's why she needed that protector. Yeah. And that's good. Motherhood. Ah. Motherhood is the closest thing to God's love because it really is a healing kind of love. It's a forgiving love. Mothers forgive 24-7. They have to. They're dealing with ignorance. They're dealing with all the characteristics that are not desirable all the time, but they're training and teaching and patient, long-suffering, and growing with her kids. and Well, you yeah. yes. Many are, especially your firstborn, for mm-hmm. sure. But they're learning and they're teachable. But when I say reflection of God's love, it's enduring. And nothing can separate a good mother's love from her child, no matter where he is, where he goes, and what he does. I'd like to interject a thought there. Even mommies who sent their babies to heaven... Mm-hmm. Before their time, they still have that enduring love and affection and connection to that life you know, that often they feel condemned by, and there's no condemnation for them. Men in that. condemn them, condemn them by that sometimes, point. but they condemn themselves. Well, and I deal with so much of yes. this, so I want to speak to the women who have sent their babies before them to, God, to God. Gave them that baby. That's right. That's God's gift to them. And it continues to be even if the baby isn't with them. They will be with them. That's right. That's the point. But that baby is in God's care, and Mm -hmm. she's in God's care as well. But that life was a purpose. That's right. And she had a purpose in bringing that life. Mm -hmm. It was a life. She may not have known it was a life, but that's her not knowing. And God doesn't hold us responsible for what we don't know. Mm-hmm. Correct. I love that statement. And I want to speak to that because there are so many hemorrhaging hearts of mothers who never become mommies 
in time. And I want them to know that this is for them too. Mm -hmm. And that that baby's waiting for them. And I love what you just said, Catherine, that baby is in God's care and lives and they are moms too. Of course, at conception, you're a mother. That's right. Mother. And some people have miscarriages. Some Mm -hmm. people lose their children when they're 30 and there's, you know, it's still taken. It's still mother's day for you. And it's still, but yet it's taken mm-hmm. from you, but they're yours and they're God's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know why, but this year during our 40 days of rest, this conversation came up and I have this renewed understanding because of the amazing stories I've heard from women who have aborted their babies and who lost babies like I did. Mm-hmm. And I, they've helped me understand the beauty of life no matter how we think we dispose of life god overrides all that yeah and those lives don't cease to be because we can't touch or see or access them and that's become so real and so vivid to me and i want people to understand that we recognize the pain that comes with the decisions we make when we don't know what womanhood is what femininity is and what motherhood is and it's something beyond what this generation i think fully understands and so i like to mention that because there's so much pain Mm -hmm. from babies that have been aborted because we have reason like man reasons rather than how god is talk about that because god makes no mistakes and it's not a mistake for God to permit us to make a mistake. Oh, that's so good. Because we're dealing with a good God. Yeah. And there's no condemnation for those who are loved by him. We're all loved by him. It's our decision to learn from him. And he reveals personally, not, you know, on grand scales, but personal. He's a personal God. It's between you and God, not between you and anyone else. That's right. And he knows better how to judge. And he's just. And we are so unjust in our limited capacity to know anything close to what God knows. Yeah, exactly. About you and and me. That's right. And judge does not mean condemn. No, it does not. No, no. Justice. Yeah. Yeah. Right judgment. Yes. And the will of a man does not dismiss the justice of God, which is loving and just, and those babies mm-hmm. are there. And for those of us who raise babies also, lose babies and raise babies, talk a little bit about motherhood. You have a lot of experience with this from the families you've well, worked there's, with. Well, there's pain in giving birth, but there's also pain in raising children. And you're dealing with everything the world is dealing with in your own house. And you have to rely on strength you don't have naturally, but there's wisdom that can be found from experience. And so your children will say, well, your older children will say, well, we didn't get all that when we were their age you know you're not treating them like you treated us 
And of course, the first child is the first child by divine <laughs> placement and for a good purpose as well, teaching parents. And uh, they usually get favor that the younger child may not have. So there is justice in all of that. It's God's way. There's no accident. They may get favor, but the youngest get patience. The oldest. <laughs> you know, the oldest might have favor, but the youngest gets patience. Yes. And parents are downright yes, tired. That's and true. then, yeah, tired, exhausted. And then you think, well, the I big, don't really know what I'm doing no, anyway. Well, the big things aren't so big anymore. No, they're not. And it's birth order is by God's design, and it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It honestly reminds me of a song that I showed you, I think it was last week. It's a recent song that came out called Older. And the chorus goes, the older I get, the more that I see, my parents aren't heroes. They're just like me. That was good. Do you want to sing it for us, Natalie? Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> Natalie sings. Not on too. here. <laughs> you know, I, I hear some daughters and mothers become best friends. Yeah. And that's a joy to look forward to. To look forward to. Yeah. But not when your kids are no, 8, 12, no, 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 Don't no, expect 15. it in high school. Don't expect it in high school. <laughs> and I will say that the most confusing and chaotic relationships I've observed are from women who think they're best friends with their daughters in their formative years. Dangerous. Yeah. You can nope. become that. They're not but sub- it is dangerous. They're not substitute. Because the girls carry the weight of the marriage, of all the unresolved conflicts of the mom, and it really f- distorts and perverts their understanding of womanhood, femininity, and motherhood. Right. It's yeah. confusing. Well, and it's almost coming from like a daughter perspective, it it really takes away that role model of a mom when the mom steps down during those formative years to be that best friend. It's like, that's a reason why young girls are supposed to have friend groups is because that's their friends, but they need a mom to go to for that wisdom, for that understanding, for that Mm -hmm. intuition and to learn from. If you become your daughter's best friend, when they're young, they don't, they no longer have that. So there's going to be a feeling almost of loss, even though you think it's awesome it it doesn't turn out that way and fear yeah it's either trying to be your friends or fear those are the two most destructive things when a mom starts parenting from a place of fear Mm -hmm. and i have a lot to say about that well that affects the entire family that's right it affects the entire family remember as and we don't teach them how to self-govern well as a parent you're raising your child so they can be independent that's right and not codependent in a sense right so ben for your sons and daughters so that they can have their own life Mm -hmm. and not lean on you or you on them. You are raising them so that they can leave the nest and leave it successfully. And go build their nest with confidence. Mm -hmm. I, on this note, I just hope an expanded maybe understanding of what it is to be a woman, a fresh look at, at femininity, meekness, not being weakness and of the complexities of being a mom. I know we didn't touch on that too much, but I hope people are encouraged by a seed of an idea that they heard today. Yeah. Closing thoughts, Catherine. Well, I think you have learned to teach others the same. You live what you teach, Virginia. And I appreciate that. And it comes from a place of deep understanding and experience. And 
that's the advantage of being a mother. You can mm-hmm. teach your daughters what life is really like as a mother, the beauty of it and the suffering and sacrifice, willing sacrifice mothers have to die to themselves mm. for the sake of their children. That's their best friend is your mother. Fathers have their place. They're the, the strong protector. They're the strong one you go to when you need that strength of character or fixity, I guess. It's a good kind of foundation. But again, as I said earlier, womanhood is meant to reveal something of God's love in a way that we couldn't get otherwise. So good. Yeah. It's been humbling, and my kids have extended me a lot of grace and mercy as they've seen me learn what grace and mercy is. And it's good. I think it's all good. Well, if they say you're going to be like your mother when you become a mother, that's a good thing in your case. (laughs) Thank you, Catherine. (laughs) Thanks, Natalie. Of course. Thank you. All right, everyone. So if you would like some recommended resources that talk about the heart of a man and womanhood, I have some great ones here. I have Wild at Heart by John Eldridge that talks a lot about the heart of a man. Also, Captivating by John Eldridge. That specifically talks about the heart of a woman. For Women Only by Shanti Felden. That talks about the heart of a man, the way that they think, and of course, our role as women when it comes to marriage, what that looks like. And then Priceless by Billy K. Sika. She talks about the heart of a woman and womanhood. And all three books I read personally. So I recommend that you get all of those, read all of those, whether you are single, whether you are married, divorced, doesn't matter. They are all incredible books and they've helped me a lot as well, just in my walk as a woman. To learn more about Catherine Dang and the Philomath Foundation, please go to philomathfoundation.com. That's P-H-I-L-O mathfoundation.com. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate or call 949-289-5935. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next week.